might be a little uncomfortable. You need to see this. It's a... Uh, it's... Something that'll change the world and human life as we know it. He knows. He's seen the light. When Monty talks, it's painful. <laughs> Monty, you have been so instrumental in uh, kind of pointing me in the right direction. And... <laughs> it was about um, looking at your character defects and spirituality. Uh, it, it's the integration of clinical practices with uh, the 12 steps. It's an absolute pleasure. He certainly knows a lot of people. Uh, he's got a lot of energy. And sometimes when you don't have so much energy, he picks you up and carries and you. And the Monty Man there certainly helps. This is one of the places that is about the business of the solution. Views expressed on this special broadcast of the Take 12 radio show do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's that guy who's getting less popular minute by minute, your host, The Multiman. Well, greetings all you scallywags and scallywaggles. Welcome aboard the Good Ship Recovery here at Take12Radio.com. On your internet dial. It's good to have you with us. We're broadcasting from the studios of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting on the outskirts of beautiful downtown Albany, Oregon. But we are broadcasting on several networks now. Uh, the Graceful Living Networks on uh, Terrestrial Radio, uh, the Bill Post Radio Network uh, out of Kaiser, uh, Oregon. And, of course, here at uh, the KHLT Recovery Broadcasting Network, Recovery Radio at its best, broadcasting to you recovery talk and positive music. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, as, as promised, uh, we have a challenging and interesting and probably an uncomfortable show for you today, uh, for some of you. For some of you, you're going to just love it. For others of you, you might be tempted to hit the stop button. I am going to challenge you. I'm going to make a dare. I dare you not to do that. The reason isn't because we want to bash anybody. It's not because we want to condemn anybody. It's because we want to be of service. We want to help. There are, um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today that is harmful. But you and I know, if you've been listening to me long enough, you know that addiction is the number one health crisis in our world over every other health issue. Recovery from it gets the least amount of attention due to stigma. And this particular topic of addiction is no different. In fact, we probably struggle with this a lot more than perhaps narcotic addiction, perhaps gambling. What am I talking about? I'm talking about sexual addiction. I'm talking about pornography. I'm talking about deep-seated sexual desires that you may not be too thrilled about in your own life. Now, listen to me closely. For those of you who have made a concrete decision that you are 100% pleased where you're at when it comes to your sexual um, preferences, your sexual desires, your sexual lifestyle, uh, you know, you know what? I love you, but I'm not going to change your mind. And neither is my guest. Uh, but, but you may know somebody that's not pleased with that. You may know some. And let me tell you something, folks. 
If you're struggling in an area, please don't allow anybody to tell you, well, that's just who you are and you need to accept it because you they don't know that. You know that. You know what's going on inside. And sometimes we deal in areas that uh, only we know something's not going on quite the way God wants it to in our lives. And so I'm going to challenge you today. Whether you agree, disagree, or whatever, stick it out with us, please. Because it could just save your life, and it might, or it might save somebody's life that you know and you care about. And listen, my guest today is Dwan Walker. He is a co-founder and the executive director of Mid-Valley Fellowship. He was raised in a small town in Arkansas, but he is here with us today in the little itty-bitty town of Albany, Oregon, broadcasting to you internationally. Listen, often in our spiritual journeys, God uses past hurts and brokenness to help us better understand others in similar situations. You and I know that. We've been talking about it now. We're in our 11th year. Our relationship with God is a free gift. Our healing comes from confession one to another. We need to stop hiding the things that are so easily besetting us and talk about them. And of course, we try to do that by breaking stigma here at Take 12 Radio. Well, such is the case for those at Mid-Valley Fellowship. Through their own lives and experiences, God has enabled them to comfort with the comfort they have received from God. Now, you and I know that, that, that I am a, a, a big proponent of, hey, listen, sometimes what we consider as misery is God's way of allowing us to go through something so we are able to comfort someone else. If everybody got healed today, boom, except for one guy, who would be there to comfort him? So for all you prosperity folks, sorry, you can hit the stop button. But for those of you who have gone through the ringer, you've prayed, and you just don't seem to see any freedom, i got to tell you, it's a lot of it has to do with our perception of what freedom really is. Hmm. So hang in there with us. Well, Mid-Valley Fellowship is a nonprofit interdenominational ministry serving the central Willamette Valley. That, that would be Albany, Corvallis, Eugene, and Salem, Oregon. And uh, they are not a mental health facility. Instead, their methodology utilizes personal testimonies, trained lay counseling, biblical instruction, and Christ-centered accountability groups. So if you're not a member of uh, the faith community or you're not a Christian, please don't turn us off. There's There could be something here that you need to hear. Listen, if, if I just took the suggestions and advice from people that agreed with me, I would not mature and grow in, in any way, shape, or form. So I'm challenging you to give this a chance. For those of you who don't, don't have a problem with this, well, bless your hearts, and, and welcome to the show. Uh, Dewan Walker is my guest. Dewan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we're going to be talking about a very uncomfortable thing for a lot of people mm -hmm. here today. Yeah. Um, addiction has been um, described by mm -hmm. some as, uh, and let's just let's just talk about uh, the... the um, the definition of alcoholism, for instance, uh, an obsession of the mind, an analogy of the body. Mm -hmm. So if I drink, I have little or no control of how much or how often I drink. And when I'm sober, I can't stay that way. Mm -hmm. We could transfer that over into any life controlling thing. Sure. Right. Uh, when I 
act out in this area. I have little or no control of how often I do or when I do. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not doing it, I can't stay not doing it. Mm -hmm. Addiction. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So, you know, there are no normies. We, we, I hate that term. We use that in 12 step fellowships all the time. Well, there's us and then there's normies. Well, there are, there are no normies. Everybody has something, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Something where the, Tail is wagging the dog instead of the other way around? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was saying that's a good illustration of that, the sense of, of kind of being out of control or that you don't have control over something uh, is, a good, is a good illustration. I mean, is a good, good idea. I mean, we, even with sexual addiction, that that's, that's definitely a, um, a huge piece of it. Right, right. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about sexual addiction. And, and, um, and I want to talk about, and boy, this is, boy, some of you going to get real mad at me. That's okay. My, my email address is take12radio at comcast.net. Throw your slings and arrows. It's all right. I want to talk about my guest story today because I, I, I would guess that there are several of you out there that are dealing with this specific sexual addiction itself, and you don't know what to do. You're, you're, you haven't made the decision that this is the way God made you or that this is what you want or that you are struggling, mm-hmm. and, and you don't, and you're not pleased. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Dewan, I'm I'm going to let you just start and, and, and share your story with us. Sure, uh, for this first part of the show before we take our first break. Okay, yeah. So I, um, I as you mentioned, I was born and raised in in uh, in a small town in Arkansas. Uh, made Albany look like it was a big town um, in comparison, uh, and uh, and was raised in a Christian home. Uh, went to to church all my life and and began a relationship with God when I was really young, uh, probably about five or something like that. And and so it was, you know, and so I was I was in a in Bible believing church and, and you know, a church that really you know taught the truth and all those things and and so when I but I always sort of felt a little bit out of place or like I I just didn't quite fit I didn't feel like I fit in my family didn't really feel like I fit um, at school much either and and just sort of felt this kind of left out or left behind sort of feeling um, the youngest of four kids that kind of contributes to that as well. Um, and so just sort of, just sort of felt a little bit out of place. Um, as I got older, um, around, you know, the time that, that puberty happens and all that kind of good stuff, uh, I was, I was really confused because I found myself attracted to other guys instead of to girls like most of my peers were. And, and in that environment, in a, growing up in a, in a Christian church, growing up, going to a Christian school and a Christian family, um, I understood in Arkansas. In Arkansas, <laughs> yeah, I understood the truth that homosexuality is not part of God's creative intent. It's not what He intends for us, um, and so I knew that. And at the same time, I had these feelings that I didn't really want and that I didn't seek out, um, but they were there, and and that was really confusing. It was really, and it, it was pretty lonely as well. A lot of shame, brought a lot of shame to you? Yeah. yeah. To kind of go, okay, so I, I... What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Yeah. I, I know this This is true. Um, I know that this isn't what God intends for me, and I st- am still having these desires. And um, and so, I, and, and that was a place that I s- stayed in for, for a while um, in different different forms. Um, at one point, I finally, you know, I, I did share with someone for the first time when I was in high school, a Christian friend of mine, and um, he didn't really have a lot of great answers, but he uh, he stayed consistent in my life, and he walked alongside me and, but and he showed didn't me run grace. Away from he, didn't, he didn't run away. Wow! And that was huge because that was what I had believed would happen if I was open and honest with people. 
You bet. Because I thought, yeah. you know, if I if I share this, people are going to run run for the hills. Uh, and so he really, you know, walked alongside me in that. And uh, and so then just kind of, but I still kind of was just struggling and kind of going, I don't, I don't know what to do. And and I think that sometimes we we miss that in the church community. We we focus on the truth and we don't really we kind of miss the reality that people are struggling. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, to realize that it's not, we shouldn't just sort of share truth, but we also need to give people grace and, and walk alongside them and, and get kind of in their mess with them and, and kind of go, okay, how can we walk through this? How can we walk out this truth that we know? Um, and so, uh, and, I, and I didn't really know what to do with my struggle. Didn't really know how to go about it. And you know, I thought, well, if I am more consistent in my devotions, that will help. If I am more consistent in prayer, that will help. If I, you know, I mean, I'm already going to church regularly, but if I serve more, maybe that will help. Or or trying all these different things that I sort of thought yeah. might kind of make it better. Um, I had been a really good student uh, growing up, and, and that was part of what had been my identity when I was in Arkansas. Okay. Um, and then we moved, my family moved <coughs> moved to Vancouver, Washington, um, around the same time that puberty happened. And, and that's a lot bigger town, a lot bigger area and a lot yeah. bigger school, a lot bigger church. And so I wasn't the top student in the class anymore. And I wasn't the sort of the known person. And so there was a loss of, of identity in a lot of ways there. Um, and so I thought, you know, I could sort of navigate this struggle kind of the way I had navigated other things. Maybe I could just, you know, learn my way out of it. I could, sort of learn a lot of information and that would somehow solve things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't, um, you know, all that sort of, all that activity and all those sort of attempts to do, um, to do the right thing and, and all that didn't, didn't just solve it uh, on its own. Um, and so just continued to struggle and continued to, and it, it began to get more and more a grip on me. Um, right. Some of that came in, in the form of pornography uh, that became part of, um, part of my struggle as well. Um, and I, and, and I was seeing that my sort of justification of things was, was changing. I mean, it was, you know, like I was allowing myself to do things that I wouldn't have envisioned doing before. Sure. Um, you were compromising more and more. Yeah. And it's that picture of what James talks about that in the book of James, where it says that, you know, that, temp- that, um, temptation leads to sin and sin leads to death. Ultimately that mm. there is this progression of sin that once it kind of gets its hooks in you, it grows and, and it just, unless it's attended to, um, it, it will ultimately be something that destroys you. Um, and so more and more, the more that, um, the more that I, that, that I, was kind of struggling and trying to navigate that, um, there was becoming more and more a disconnect between what I would show to people like in church community and everything, Mm -hmm. um, and what was actually going on inside. Um, and that was something I I learned from a very young age was that we don't actually share what's going on inside. Um, but we share what people want to see. And a lot of people can identify with that. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. And so, and so that's what I, that's what I tried to do and tried to sort of have the right, out outside, uh, but the inside was more and more uh, was had problems and had issues, um, and so as I as it kind of progressed and as I began to to engage with different things, um, I kind of got to this place where uh, where I mean there was a just a big disconnect between what I was feeling inside and what I was sharing on the outside. Um, well, so this one one holiday season, I went to visit. Um, my family up in Vancouver was living here in Albany at the time 
So I went up to visit my family and uh, actually had lunch or had breakfast with that friend that I had disclosed to a number of years earlier. Right. And I just had, I mean, it had just been a season of just really challenging stuff. And then my time that I was up there just sort of seemed like it was just challenging the whole, the whole visit. And, um, and so I went, was headed to this breakfast with him as the last thing before I headed home. And I thought, I just want this to sort of go well. I just want to sort of have a positive sort of experience from Mm -hmm. this whole visit. So we sat down at breakfast and, and he asked me, he's like, well, hey, how are, how are things going? It had been, you know, a few couple months since we had talked. And, and I said, I'm like, things are great. Ministry's going well and you know, life <laughs> in Albany is going well. <laughs> and that's exactly it. I lied to him. Yeah, I've been there, brother. <laughs> and there was something inside of me that kind of died at that moment, um, or at least took a deep hiatus, that this person that... Um, cared for me enough to hear hear my story, the first person I ever disclosed to, mm-hmm. um, and that he had walked alongside me in that, that he'd been consistent, he had been gracious, um, that I had lied to him. And I left the conversation just at that same place and just felt, um, did not feel good. Just felt, I just felt bad about myself and felt bad about the situation and, um, and ultimately, um, was focused on, I just want to go home. I want to escape from what I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, and so, so I headed home to Albany and, and took that as an opportunity to escape in, in pornography and to, mm-hmm. um, just sort of get lost in it. Medicate. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. And it got me to this very dark place. Um, and it was even probably emphasized more dark. It felt more dark because it was like a Saturday night. And I thought, well, I, you know, on tomorrow morning, it's a church. I need to sort of be, you know, everything needs to be cool and I need to have a good image that I put forth. And so it, it just sort of drove me into a deeper and darker yeah. place. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and for years I had, I had believed, I, I had heard this um, a number of years earlier. I'd read this teen magazine where this, um, this teen had written a, a note into the editor and it was a Christian magazine. And, um, the, and the, the teen had said, Hey, I'm struggling with homosexuality. You know, what should I do? How do I go about it? And the editor who I'm sure was very well intentioned said, you know, that's kind of normal during puberty, just ignore it and it'll go away. And, um, which is not true. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, but I held on to that for a number of years, just believing that it was going to go away, just believing that at some point my struggle would sort of just disappear and that I could continue on with life as I believed God desired for me and as I desired for myself. Um, and so in the midst of that dark place that I got to that night, um, where I felt like there was no, it was just very dark, there was no light, it mm-hmm. was a very depressing place, it was my rock bottom, um, God spoke into that mm-hmm. and said, do you see that this isn't just going to go away on its own? Yeah. Do you realize you need to ask for help. You need to reach out for help. And and I had heard about uh, or an organization that sort of helped people working through their struggle with homosexuality in the past um, a few years earlier and wasn't really at a place of honesty and openness to really, mm-hmm. to really addressing issues. And so um, it was at that time that I remembered about this organization and went and found their website and 
um, began reading some of the stories of people who um, who had walked um, in freedom from their struggle with homosexuality. And it was amazing to me because I had read testimonies before, but I always sort of felt like they were these testimonies. It was like, well, I struggled with homosexuality and, you know, but then God worked in my life and now I'm married and have six children or something. And never struggled again. Right. right. And, and, and never really sort of explained what their process was like or mm-hmm. what their journey was like. Mm-hmm. Um, but these testimonies that I read, there were people who had you know, had struggled and had experienced some freedom and then had, had had relapses or had fallen back in, but then had kind of worked through it and, and how God had really worked in them and that it was a process and that, you know, that God was continuing to work in their lives. They weren't saying I'm perfect and everything's solved. Um, they were just saying, you know, God has continued to be faithful to me and, and I'm very different than I was um, and I will be different mm-hmm. in the future than I am now. Right. And, um, and that was very hope giving to me. Um, so I began reading these testimonies and um, really connected with one um, that uh, at the end of it, it said, uh, Jason is now the director of Portland Fellowship. And I thought, hmm, well, that's interesting. I know there's a couple of Portlands in the U.S., um, Portland, Maine, and Portland, Oregon. Right. I wonder if it's Portland, Oregon. And so I went and looked up and found Portland Fellowship, uh, which actually still is in existence in Portland, Oregon. Um, and... Um, and at the time, they were the only ministry in Oregon and Washington that worked with people struggling with homosexuality who wanted to overcome it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got connected there and began to, you know, I was freaked out for a while and had to work through that and yeah. um, had to call my friend and tell him I'd lied to him and um, all these kind of things. And um, But then, then got connected and it lost my job at just the right time, so I had plenty of time to... Um, began to work <laughs> on my process. Um, and then God began to work in me through that. Yeah. And began to teach me new things and um, help me to to see him for who he really is, not for how I had sort of perceived him to be. Um, helped me to really engage with God on a, on a different level. Um, and, and not to, I mean, in the past I had filtered um, my perception of God through my relationship with my father, which is pretty common. And, um, and so beginning to understand, no, that there's a difference there and, and that there are certain things about God's character that are true that I can rely on. Mm -hmm. Um, And God began working on my, my perception of myself, began working on how I saw masculinity, um, began working on all these things. Um, and, and amazing things happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it began to change my, my perception of things and also, just my relationships and how I related with people. And so God was doing for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Right. And was using others to do that, to to invest in my life in that way too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're going to take a break. Okay. And when we come back, let, let's talk about where God took you from there because it just didn't stop with, well, now things are different and I'm just going to go on my merry way. God called you to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Yeah. But it, it happened in your case, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, and then let's also touch on uh, some truths that a lot of people don't want to admit. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I'll give, I'll, I'll give folks a, a little hint here. My sponsor in my 12-step fellowship that that uh, focuses on alcoholism um, said to me one time, says, when, when you talk to me or whoever you talk to about your struggles – you need to understand that it's okay 
to be able to say, you know, it's it's one thing to tell you that I did this. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to tell you that I still may struggle. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be okay with me if I tell you that? And he says, you need to know that there are people that are okay with that. Mm-hmm. Because until we go home to meet him in the air, we are not delivered from this shell. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't care what the package comes in, mm-hmm. whether it's sexual addiction or alcoholism or gambling or whatever, it's still there's a God-shaped hole that are going to be, only be filled by God, right? Absolutely. Right. Okay, folks, don't go away. Uh, more with my guest, Dewan Walker, when we come back. Free by the Sea is a drug and alcohol recovery center located in beautiful Ocean Park, Washington. This facility is amazingly gorgeous. But what's even more impressive is the integrity of the staff and the treatment provided for those wishing to recover from drug and alcohol addiction. The folks at Free by the Sea have a passion for presenting the solution to addiction for you and your loved one. To speak with an admission specialist, call toll-free 800-272-9199. That's 800-272-9199. In the time it takes to pour your morning coffee... A child is abused. In the time it takes for you to tie your shoes, a child is intentionally injured. In the time it takes to lock your door, a child is neglected. In the time it takes for you to turn on the evening news, a child is forgotten. And in the time it takes for you to get from morning coffee to evening news, four of those children have died. Don't wait. Take action. If you know of or even suspect child abuse, Please call 1-800-422-4453. That's 1-800-4-A-CHILD. Or go to www.childhelp.org. Counselors are available 24-7. All calls are confidential. Bring hope. Bring an end to child abuse. This message brought to you by the Foundation for the Prevention and Treatment of Child Abuse. He's a little crazy. But then again, you already knew that. I got in like three fights when I was in grade school. All three of them were with the bully. You know, we all know who they are. They're always a little bit bigger, a little they kind of smelly. And we duke it out. And after he beat the snot out of me, I'd say, you come back tomorrow and I'll give you more of that. It's the Bill Post Radio Show. Bill Post Radio Show. Weekdays at noon. Don't give up on me. Don't give up on me. God isn't done with me yet. I don't know about you, but uh, we got a ways to go uh, with this thing. Hey, listen, uh, we're in this thing together. We're in the boat together, you guys. Uh, We need to be there for each other. That's an old, old Amy Grant song. Uh, And one of these days, I'll play the whole song for you. I just love it. I love the trumpets and and everything in the background. All right. Uh, This portion of the show is brought to you by Broad Highway Recovery. And let me ask you a question, you guys. Do you have a loved one that is suffering from a drug or alcohol addiction and is unable or unwilling to seek help on their own? If you've tried unsuccessfully on your own to get that individual the help they desperately need, then an intervention may be the only chance you have of saving that person's life. Well, Broad Highway Interventionists help the family and the addict through the entire recovery process. The actual event where we address the addict face-to-face as a group is only one part of the intervention. Going up against the deadly and cutting disease of addiction that is robbing you of a loved one and robbing your loved one of life takes a good, solid plan. 
plan. Well, to guide you through developing a plan of intervention, here's the number I want you to call. 877-487-1599. It's toll free. 877-487-1599. Broad Highway Recovery. Please check them out. All right, Dewan Walker is is my guest this week. He is uh, the co-founder and executive director of Mid Valley Fellowship. We are talking about sexual addiction. Uh, he's sharing his personal story of experience, strength, and hope. What it was like, what happened, what it's like today, and uh, what it was like wasn't so much fun. He wasn't happy with where he was. You may be. I'm not talking to you. We could argue that all day long. I could do that. You know me well enough. I'm talking to those of you who are struggling and are just at not at peace with what you're doing, whether it's unwanted homosexual uh, desires, whether it's adultery, whether it's pornography, heterosexual pornography. I, I don't care what it is. If it is, if that tail is wagging you, you are in trouble. You're in deep weeds, and mm-hmm. you need to know there's help out there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Dewan is with me in the studio. MidValleyFellowship.org is the website. Okay, Dewan. So God's helping you through this stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he's working on you. And um, there's been some people speaking to your life that aren't mm-hmm. condemning you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How important is that? That's huge. I mean, and and also I think it was significant for me to to meet some people who had... Um, who had gone through the same struggle and were walking, yeah. were walking in freedom. Um, and as you mentioned before the break, I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, what is one of our, well, actually one of our lessons in our support programs is called what does healing look like? Um, and realizing that, that healing is an ongoing dynamic process. It's not a static sort of close-ended definition. You don't sort of get to a point and say, okay, I'm done. And God has done everything he needs to do in my life. And I'm, you know, done. Um, but instead, God continues to do work um, in my life and in, in everyone's lives um, who's willing and, and open to that. And so it, was, so it was significant to see people who were farther down the track and farther down the, the path in that and had really seen um, had really seen how God had worked in their lives and, and right. were, were sharing that with others. And, and so, um, so that was huge, uh, a place that I could be open and honest and could share everything that was going on inside mm-hmm. of me and that would feel accepted and, and experience grace. Right. Um, and at the same time, not compromising the truth of, of what God says. Yeah. Um, cause I think that's, that's sometimes there's, that's kind of the rub as it were that we, we sometimes want to extend grace to people. And so in the, in a, the process, we sort of set aside the truth of scripture and, and set aside what's, what's true. We compromise. Yeah. Because we want to extend grace, which is, is a valuable desire because we do need to extend grace. Um, and we can't compromise the truth in that. You, you uh, know, uh, you know, my pastor, uh, pastor Kelly DeFore out, mm-hmm. out at, uh, yeah, yeah. Oak Creek, he, he, he says it so well, God is 100% about truth mm-hmm. and he's 100% about grace. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a problem with the mess in the middle, mm-hmm. but we certainly do. Yeah. Yeah. We either compromise in one or the other, or we get too dogmatic, or we're not graceful enough, right? And we just get all messy. Yeah. But he doesn't have a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm so glad, because I just mess that up all over the place. There yeah, are people listening right now that that are living in a gay lifestyle. They're friends of mine, mm. and they're, they think I'm nuts right now. Mm. And that's okay. I'm not talking to them. 
Mm-hmm. I'm talking about people that we could talk about that at some point, but sure. that's I I don't want to go there. I'm talking about people that are hurting and they're not they don't want to be where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. How did you get into this ministry? Mm. Well, so, I mean, I, to, to Portland Fellowship, I went there for uh, counseling and then got involved in their support groups, uh, which was their support groups last about two years, which ours do as well. Um, and really, and in that you're digging into kind of underlying issues and what's really going on in you. And, and it was significant, you know, that, that piece of, of them, of me being able to be completely honest and feeling acceptance in that, because that was different than the paradigm I had been living under the paradigm I've been living under was put forth the image that everybody wants to see. And then you will be accepted because of that. Um, when in reality, um, people are accepting the, the image, not you. Um, right. And so, so being in that place, being in, the, in that place where I could be completely honest and open and, um, and could be challenged and encouraged and all those things. Um, well, so as I kind of as a really even before I had begun my process uh, when I was sort of in the early stages of it um, I had really felt like I mean I'd really had this sense that that God was calling me into something different I was working in the corporate world um, doing tech support and and had done that was and did well at that and and I also felt like God was kind of calling me out of that Um, I didn't know what to but I felt like he was calling me out of it and I had had a resistance to that for, I mean, I, I had had a resistance to the idea, period, not even having a sense that God was calling me to it. But um, I just felt like, okay, I struggle with homosexuality. And for some reason, that is, in my mind, was worse than everything else. And and so I had this sense that, that God couldn't, I couldn't be in full-time ministry because of that. And that that somehow disqualified me. Oh, yeah, you shouldn't struggle anymore with whatever it is for you to be in ministry, right? right? Isn't that the yeah. idea? Yeah. 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 That's a lie. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I had this belief too that that uh leadership wasn't something that God had gifted me with, that it wasn't mm. part of part of how he'd gifted me. Mm-hmm. And so and and so it was it was kind of in it was it was in this space where I was becoming more open to listening to God and being more open to his direction and felt like he just said, you know, I I want you to be in ministry kind of very vaguely, um not anything specific. And so I I said, okay, I don't know what that means. Um, and so, so I, and so I went through my, through my process and, and began, you know, really digging in deep and, and not in a sense that, that everything was solved in that time, but that, that, that was some of the most intense part of my process really. Wow. And, and so, um, kind of walked through that. And as I got towards the, the end of the, of that support program, um, began kind of asking, you know, what now? Cause it, was incredibly transformational for me. Um, transform my relationships, the way I interacted with people. Transform how I saw myself, and even my understanding of how God had gifted me. And um, and so there was a lot that had really been kind of turned on its end. Um, which I, I guess I'll just plug this in here at the moment. I I find that that's something that that sometimes when when people are engaging or trying to engaging with their struggle and trying to work through issues that they don't completely realize at times is that. Um, this isn't something that we don't sort of learn new patterns to do for a little while and then go back to the old patterns, but we have to learn new ways of thinking and new ways of interacting in the world for, you know, in perpetuity. Absolutely. We and, have to get rid of our old way of thinking. Right. Tra- you have to be yeah. transformed. Yeah, uh, you bet. And so, um, 
And so, so, you know, it was, was really kind of just going, okay, God, what, what, what now? I mean, like, mm-hmm. what, what do you want with this? And, um, Portland Fellowship offers an internship program, um, that uh, it's changed a little bit now, but at the time it was really focused on people who wanted to go into ministry. And, and so I thought, well, this is a, a ministry that I know and trust and it's, um, and it, and so I'll, you know, I'll do this and just kind of see what God does with that. Um, and going into it, um, I was, there wasn't much that I was clear on, but there was one thing that I was quite certain of, um, and that was that God did not want me to start a ministry after the internship. And so I was quite certain of that at the beginning. Um, and You wanted to be in ministry, but he didn't want you to start a ministry. Correct. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, yeah, yeah. gotcha. So um, so this played out in some interesting ways, um, and there's lots of stories that go along with that. But, but basically, um, it, essentially, everyone around me saw sort of a calling to ministry and a leadership ability to start a ministry that I didn't see and that I was very resistant to. Um, and so, and I'll may I throw this story in here. We'll see if it, yeah. if it works. But so, um, my, me- so I had a mentor that I would meet with every week as part of the internship program. And, um, I wasn't, I had in, in order to do the internship program, I, I quit my job, which was a good job, sold my house, which was a house. Are you and, crazy? And right. I moved, and I moved, <laughs> moved to Portland Moved to Portland and 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 uh, moved into this because they, they provide a space for you to live during yeah. the internship and all that and um and so I wasn't working quote unquote um at the time I was you know I was doing the internship and just really immersing myself in the ministry and and so my mentor came to me one day and he's like so and he was he was in his um he was kind of in his uh, early sixties but had a lot of a lot of health problems and um, just physical problems and he was working doing um playing organ and piano at the, at a church that didn't have someone in there who could do it. And so he was kind of hired on to do that. And it, physically it was becoming a problem. Um, and also just hearing wise, he was struggling with his hearing. And so it just wasn't working out well. And so he, he came to me and he said, Hey, um, I talked to the the pastor that I work for and I asked him if he would be interested in having someone come and, and kind of maybe come up with a technological solution that they could use to kind of work, you know, to, to lead worship um, mm-hmm. until they find someone else. Because mm-hmm. basically I went out of this job and he said, you're a technology person. And so maybe you could help, you know, help show them some things. And I said, okay, sure. It sounds like, you know, be, give me something to do basically. Right, right. So we go and we meet with the pastor and I start asking him lots of questions um, about, you know, okay, so where do you envision your church going in the future? And, and where do you envision worship ministry going in your church? And, and what are you kind of wanting to, to do? And, you know, all these kinds of things. And, and I explained to him, I said, you know, the reason why I'm asking is because I could sort of spec all this stuff for you, mm-hmm. you know, and have a great system and stuff. Um, but if it's not consistent with where you're going, then it will just end up being a waste of money. And, and so I just really you know, need to know kind of where you're going. Yeah. And so, um, and he had a really hard time articulating that. Hmm. Um, and, the, and you know, the ins and outs of why and all that are not that important. But I, but what I ended up happening was I kept kind of asking him questions and drawing out and really digging for what was it that he was really, that he sort of saw God calling him to. About halfway through the conversation, and, and my mentor, who is the only, I mean, this guy doesn't know me, so my mentor knows him. Um, but he doesn't know me. And so my mentor is sitting off to the side as he tends, tended to do at times. And he had a little notebook and he was writing notes, but he wasn't saying anything. <laughs> and so I'm like digging and I'm kind of pulling and whatever. And, and the pastor is actually, he's trying to interact with me. He's trying to come up with the answers to my questions, even though they're really hard. Right. And, and I was confused by that. And I, 
and I sort of internally about halfway through the conversation, I thought, why is he letting me do this? Why is he sort of letting me draw him out? Why is he kind of doing that? And, and I sort of filed it away and kind of continued the conversation. Well, later my mentor and I, his name is Jim. Um, we, uh, we sat down for lunch to kind of debrief the conversation and, and he says, well, yeah, you, you got the pastor to articulate some things. I've been trying to get him to articulate for a while. Really? Like, <laughs> where he was going and stuff. And I'm like, okay. I said, yeah, that was a little strange to me. Like, why did he let me sort of dig and draw out? I mean, he doesn't know me. He doesn't have any history with me. Why didn't he just like, you know, blow me off and say, go away. I don't want to talk to you. And my mentor got this sort of look on his face and he looked over the table at me and he says, when Mr. Walker, are you going to realize the leadership ability that you have? Wow. Oh, I got goosebumps, brother. <laughs> That's great. And and that started about a three-week argument between wow. him and I. <laughs> um, I love our mentors. Of just me saying, you know, I don't, I don't see that. No, that's not what God has called me to. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. And But um, I stutter, God. How can yeah. I lead the children of Israel? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he finally gave me this. He finally sent me to this online test that's supposed to assess your leadership ability that you just kind of fill out yourself. And so right. I did it, and it printed out the the details. And he came. He put it in front of me one day, and he's like, "Okay, you took this test. You answered the questions. This is you know you. This is you. And it says right here on this piece of paper that you have leadership ability. And I can't deny it. Yeah, yeah. And it and and really, what it was really about was I knew what that meant. Because I knew that, uh, because that always gave me an out. If I didn't have leadership ability, then God couldn't possibly be calling me to start a ministry. Right. And so that was my out. <laughs> so if that wasn't there, then that might mean that God actually was calling me to start a ministry. Um, and so, mm-hmm. um, and so from there, basically, um, I you know I, I argued with God for a while about it and. And I said, and I, I finally prayed what I describe as my prayer of faith, which went something like this. Um, God, I don't get it and I don't understand it, but if you want me to do it, then fine, I'll do it. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> yeah. And it was a little bit defiant in there, too, if I you didn't you. catch that. Yeah, yeah, and, I did. <laughs> and and, I, and in that, I also said, you know, I, I don't really want to, but it'd be nice not to have to do it by myself. And so um, within a few weeks of that, um, a person who was connected with someone who's connected with someone sort of got in touch with me. Um, she was living here in the area and, and really wanted, you know, had a heart for ministering at the, at the time we focused on people struggling with homosexuality and she wanted to minister in that way. And we got together and realized how we kind of fit well together and mm-hmm. in our, you know, views of how, of our roles and all those kind of things. And, and that's essentially how Mid Valley Fellowship began. There it was. Um, and it was kind of crazy. I mean, it, um, you know, yeah, I, it's yeah. I don't know what else to say other than that. But it's, it was a little bit crazy, and um, you know, to to start a, a sexual redemption ministry in a town of uh, at the time, you know, thirty nine thousand people or something. Sure, and, sure. Um, and so, um, but God has really blessed that. He and, has. He has. Let let let's take a break. When we come back, let, let's talk about what Mid Valley Fellowship offers, what what service they provide mm-hmm. to the faith community, and the the uh the willamette valley mm-hmm. uh as well as anybody that wants to find out information right yeah absolutely. right like, let, and let's let's talk about that uh we've got about 15 minutes left so we're gonna have to do it up in 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 that amount of time i think we can do that um this is vital information folks don't miss out don't go away we'll be back more with my guest juan walker 
And uh, midvalleyfellowship.org is the website. Don't go away. Origins Recovery Centers provides integrated inpatient treatment for substance abuse and co-occurring disorders. At Origins, clients receive expert medical, clinical, and spiritual care individually designed for their needs. Our clients leave Origins with the foundation upon which they will build the rest of their lives. Call now to speak with an admissions specialist. Our toll-free number is 888-843-8935. That's 888-843-8935. Origins, delivering real solutions for real families. When I first came to uh, Serenity Springs, I never thought I could stay clean and sober. And then after being through the 12 steps and getting closer to God and just learning how to live, you know, I can't imagine life with drugs and alcohol anymore. Introducing Serenity Springs Recovery Center, a fully licensed residential drug and alcohol dependence treatment center for men specializing in helping individuals with substance abuse problems. Addiction is a disease that deteriorates the body, punishes the mind, and destroys the spirit. Addiction needs to be attacked on all three of these fronts. They work the steps. They work them extremely hard. Finding God is a big part, and that's what they did for me. They gave me a life second to none. Residents live in a resort-style accommodations and are able to participate in numerous on-site activities. You know, golf and working out, playing basketball a lot. Serenity Springs is a unique facility that is committed to providing exceptional individual care in small group settings. They, they talk about life beyond your wildest dreams. I never thought that was possible for me, and today I'm living it. And uh, just being connected, guys are like my brothers, just a big family. At Serenity Springs, they want to make a life-changing investment into your recovery. For more information, contact their 24-hour admissions department at 386-423-4540 or visit their website at Serenity Springs Recovery. It's really amazing what's happened. I mean, it's, it's nothing short of a miracle. AA made all the difference in my life. I noticed that most of the goals I had as a kid were slipping by. I didn't feel like the person I hoped to be. After all those years of drinking, I, I really didn't know myself. When I was out there drinking, I was always looking for the next great party to make me feel all right. With AA, I found a better way of life. And I feel good in my everyday life, even without a drink in my hand. Alcoholics Anonymous. It works. Look us up. Check your phone book, newspaper, or aa.org. Hey, this is Logan Rayman Rainwater, and you're listening to Take 12 Radio. I can't do this all on my own. No, I'm no, I'm no Superman. Well, Laszlo Bain gets it. He's no Superman. We can't do this by ourselves. That's why we have each other, you guys. We're in we're in this life thing together. And uh, if you are not, um, if you're not at peace uh, with where you're at, and uh, it is uh, it is due to some kind of behavior that you just left to your own devices, can't stop doing. There may be a reason why you can't stop doing it because you're trying to stop on your own power. Mm-hmm. What is it, folks, that you're going to get about left to your own devices? You are powerless over whatever it is, other people's choices, people, places, things, addictions. Without your creator, mm-hmm. you're in deep weeds. Mm-hmm. We're talking uh, with Dwayne, uh, Dewan Walker, co-founder 
and the executive director of Mid Valley Fellowship uh, here in uh, the Mid Willamette Valley. And uh, let's let's talk about what Mid Valley Fellowship is. About. It's not just about unwanted homosexual desires. Correct. It's a, it's about pornography. It's about heterosexual inappropriate sexual behaviors. It's mm-hmm. because it really it's really all the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. We, we pigeonhole sin, right? Right. We right. say, well, this form of missing the mark is worse than this, and this one's worse than that. And God says, no. Right. You miss the mark. You miss the mark. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so we focus uh, as a ministry because you know there are, there are others who are doing other things. We we focus in on uh, people who are struggling with sexual brokenness, and so um, some of the things that you just mentioned. So people who are struggling with uh, with pornography or sexual addiction um, could be someone who's struggling with men and women who are struggling with unwanted homosexual desires. Um, also, spouses who have a a husband uh, or wife who's struggling with one of those issues, because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of challenges with that too. If you're a spouse and and your and your husband or wife is struggling with one of these issues, that affects the relationship a lot. Sure. Um, so we offer support there, and then then also for survivors of sexual abuse, uh, which ties in with these things as well. You bet. Um, and so so we offer support in all those areas. Uh, we do individual counseling, uh, and we also do support groups. Uh, and so some people will do in just individual work. Some will do support groups. Some will do both. Uh, just depends on the person and kind of what they're what they're looking for and where they're at. Um, and so so that's the the support that we that we offer. Uh, and, and you're not. And let me make something clear to to some of my friends out there. You're not. You don't have this agenda of going out to the streets and changing people. No. You're there for people that want to change. Right. That that are struggling. Right. So nobody's trying to convert anybody here, but you're offering a service. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're a responsive ministry. Responsive so, ministry. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, so we respond to people uh, inquiring and asking and saying, hey, this is something in my life that I don't want. This is something I'm struggling with. I, I don't like the way that I'm interacting with these different things. Uh, yeah. And so will you help me? Um, that's our focus. Mm-hmm. Um we, you know, if someone is like, as it relates to homosexuality or even pornography, if someone says, you know, hey, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at and I feel fine about it. Great. Um, go, you know, you know, as it relates to homosexuality, live that life if that's what you what you feel like you want to do. Um, I'm here for people who say that's not what I want for my right. life. And so if for that person, if at some point they kind of go, there's some things that I don't like about about this lifestyle. There's some things that, or I feel like God's really convicting me about it, that something needs to change. Um, that's when, that's when we come into the picture. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's really powerful when God convicts someone way more than when, if I try to convict them of something, <laughs> yeah. right? It doesn't seem to work too well in any circle. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. few, few years ago, I had this uh, person call me for the first time and, um, he was, was in the lifestyle, in the homosexual lifestyle and, um, not a Christian and just, um, and, and God was really just tapping on his heart and really just, uh, a, a number of different things that were happening in his life was just really kind of touching his heart. And, and so he called me at a point where he was just kind of in crisis because he said, I, you know, I feel like God doesn't want this for my life. And, and I feel like he's calling out to me, but I, you know, I've done so many things and I've been engaged in so many things. And, and so we set up a time to talk at an appointment and between the phone call and the appointment, uh, he had an encounter with God where, um, <laughs> he became a Christian and, um, on, you know, just him and God it wasn't me involved in that. Right. And, and then came and said, you know, I know that God doesn't want me 
to be gay. And so will you help me kind of figure out how to, how to navigate that? And so had the privilege of walking with him through that process. And so, and that's the way that it, that's the way I believe it should work. Um, it's yeah. not that we need to go and convince people, um, but simply that, that God will do that work. And we, um, we walk alongside the person once they decide that's, that's what they want. And, and, and one, one of the, and we, man, we're, we're really up against the clock, but, but one of the things that, People don't under, people misunderstand is that just because you still struggle with something doesn't mean that that is the license to go back into that behavior and that that's a sign that that's the way God created you. Right. Um, you know, um, are are there times when I when I think that man, a nice cold beer would sure sound good. Mm. You bet. Yeah. Does that mean that I'm supposed to start drinking again? No. no. Yeah. That's not a sign. It just means that I'm not perfect yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So whatever it is, just because you still uh, struggle with it, and, and you, for instance, you even say in your story on the website mm-hmm. that there are times when sure. when you still struggle, but your whole approach and your whole the way your heart is around the issue that's what's different now. Yeah. than before. Yeah, whereas before my struggle controlled my life and was right, everything was filtered through it, um, and there was that's the only way I could see the world was kind of through that struggle. And and that's not the case anymore. It's more rather than being something that's in front of my face and that that I that in impacts the way I see everything. That's like you know like a filter that used to be the way it was. Mm-hmm. Now it's something more that's sort of off to the side. That that yeah, there is you know there are times that I do I'm tempted and I do struggle. Um, yeah. And for me, it's you know it's an indicator that okay something there's something missing and there's something that's not um, there's a need that's not a legitimate need that's not being met the way it needs to be. Um, whether that's, right. you know, I'm not being as honest with people as I need to be, or whether that's, I'm not as connected with significant people in my life as I need to be, um, or I'm going through a difficult trauma or I'm, you know, whatever it may be, it's an indicator to me. It's a, it's kind of an early warning light that says, okay, something's, yeah. something's out of whack. Yeah. And so I need to focus on how do I address that area in my life. We've been given a tremendous get, a gift called the internet. Mm. And yeah, there's some ugly stuff ugly pages on the internet Mm -hmm. we know that sure uh but but god can utilize this thing in a powerful way you guys are in in the the mid willamette valley but we Mm -hmm. have listeners in dubai we have listeners in australia Mm -hmm. and we have listeners on the east coast Mm -hmm. um can they go to your website and get some guidance Mm mm-hmm Sure, absolutely. And there's actually, um, so you can come to our website and there's there's information there. And then also we're part of a network that is uh, around the uh, the United States mm-hmm. of ministries like us all around the country. And then, and then it's part of a global kind of uh, organization as well uh, that has ministries all over the world that uh, do this kind of work. Um, and, and then personally also I sometimes will work with people who are in other countries or things like that um, or try to connect them with uh, local ministry. Because um, it's it's best for someone to sit down face to face with someone and sure. really work through things. Yeah. Um, and so, but but yeah, there's a there's a network of various ministries all around the world that that do this kind of work. And um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, Dewan, we're we're out of time. Yeah. We will you come back and and talk more about this? Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to have you back in a couple of months and and maybe we'll kind of see where your your guys' ministry is at and mm-hmm. and 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 share. Maybe somebody wants to share their story. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring them along. Sure. Uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, the website is midvalleyfellowship.org. 
midvalleyfellowship.org. You can go to the link uh, right here. It'll show up on the YouTube version of the show, uh, and it'll show up on uh, Friday's page uh, while it's up all week here on Friday. Bookmark it, please. Uh, remember, whatever whatever it is that you're struggling with, you don't have to do it alone. You can't do it alone. You, you, you've got to talk about it. Secrets kill, right, Dwan? Absolutely, yeah. They do. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. It, it really has. Uh, you've got about 30 seconds. What would you like to say to people in closing? I just emphasize what you just said, that if you're struggling and you're looking for some hope or some something, is to share it with someone, talk with someone about it, reach out for help. Um, don't try to go it alone uh, because secrets do kill, as you said. Right. So reach out for help. Um, either it's, you know, whether it's us or someone else, but reach out for, for help. Excellent. All right, folks, the Juan Walker co-founder and executive director of Mid Valley Fellowship, the website, midvalleyfellowship.org. Follow the links here at Take 12 uh, Radio until our next broadcast. Hey, listen, do something now that will make the person you'll be tomorrow proud to have been the person you are today. Until our next show, this is the Monty Man along the Juan Walker, and we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Kitty, 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 kitty. Meow.